Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Many couples expect to fall pregnant as soon as they begin trying, while for others, there's a worry that it'll never happen. The truth is, there are so many elements that can affect conception. It may seem like there isn't a safe and honest space for you to discuss your journey, and that's why I wanted to introduce you to the Peanut app. Peanut is a safe space for women trying to conceive, to build friendships and ask questions and find support. Whether it's understanding IVF or polycystic ovarian syndrome or even loss, Peanut is a place to connect with women who understand. Trying to conceive is hugely personal and being able to share your experiences and seek advice from other women, it can be such a tremendous help and this is what makes the app such an invaluable tool. You can download the Peanut app for free today on your app store or head to peanut.app.link slash food for thought. Hello and welcome to Food for Thought on Motherhood, a special mini-series on all things pregnancy, childbirth and baby. I'm Rhiannon Lambert, registered nutritionist, author of Renourish, A Simple Way to Eat Well and founder of Retrition, London's leading private nutrition clinic. Over eight episodes, I'm joined by guests, all of whom are experts in their fields to help share invaluable evidence-based advice and support. As always, we'll be sorting fact from fiction and dispelling everything that remains confusing in the world of motherhood. If you're trying for a baby, a quick Google search of fertility foods will bring up countless articles on so-called superfoods and supplements that will boost your fertility and help you to conceive. But is there any truth to these articles? This Food for Thought on Motherhood sees registered dietitian Ro Huntress and I explore if it's really that easy to conceive simply by changing your diet. Hello, Ro. Hello, Rhiannon. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, don't. It's an absolute pleasure. <laughs> I, think we're, I think we're very lucky to have you on because this topic, fertility, it's always thought of as being just so influenced by the women, the women in the world, and there's not really enough talk about men when it comes to conception. I know that you are hot on this topic. Could you delve in first of all by explaining perhaps um, why maybe it's not all just on us women? Yeah, absolutely. And I think in terms of cases of, of infertility, so infertility meaning not being able to conceive within a year um, whilst having regular intercourse. And with infertility, men can actually play a role in 30 to 50% of these cases. And I think perhaps that the reason why people associate it with women is, I think women tend to talk about this a lot more um, and perhaps access 
healthcare or access support in this area, whereas men don't tend to do so much. And I think that's really across the board in healthcare, isn't it? Um, but it, it is very much associated with 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 the mother. But yeah, absolutely, it's that it, there are there are two sides to the story here, and and that's what that's what I like to try and uh, you know get or make people aware of and get that message across. Yeah, and it, it's just the pressure, isn't it? I, I think um, if a century is probably in history, if you look throughout our, um, oh, especially in the Western world, it's, it's history, it's always blamed on the on the women. I was reading, um, it's probably totally irrelevant, but in my head I went straight to thinking of one of the Philippa Gre- Gregory novels I was reading, a Tudor history book, and how if the woman didn't conceive a, even a boy for a child, it's, it's all blamed on the woman. It's very good to know that we should be looking at both sexes when it comes to this. So so what can people do, Rogestar? You can get asked all the time, I'm sure. What can they do? I, I might even just add on that point of pressure as well, because I think that, yeah, historically that pressure has always been on women. But I think now as we're moving into the modern age, many women are wanting to to delay pregnancy because there are so many more opportunities for women in life now in compa- with regards to, say, their career or education and other things. So, again, I feel that this puts even more pressure on, on women. But I think a really important message is that if women do want to delay pregnancy, that is OK. And we can still get some really good outcomes, you know, late 30s and even for some people into their 40s as well. Well, that's really nice to hear, actually. We should definitely discuss that, I think, a bit later on, the the age, because it's, again, pressure, pressure, pressure seems Mm. to be um, at the forefront. So for those listening that want to increase their chances of getting pregnant, um, let's start by what we could include in our diet, perhaps. Okay, so the main dietary pattern that we tend to advise within fertility management is the Mediterranean diet. So the Mediterranean diet being comprised of fruit, vegetables, nuts, seeds, unsaturated fatty acids. So uh, things like your olive oil, um, oily fish with the omega-3s and and whole grains. So this dietary pattern has been shown to be really protective in terms of fertility. And this is looking at female fertility, male fertility, but also IVF outcomes as well. So as a baseline, we tend to start with the Mediterranean diet. But there's also been some dietary factors that also tend to um, promote fertility. So, for example, the research suggests that having more plant-based protein instead of exclusively animal-based protein can help fertility. Unsaturated fat, so more your plant-based and your fish sources versus, again, fat from animal sources – And also looking at carbohydrates as well. So perhaps aiming for a moderate carbohydrate approach and looking at a lower glycemic index. So those those carbohydrate containing foods that that release their energy that little bit slower. And all those foods have been shown to be quite protective. Mm, And it does reiterate the message that we are trying to get across as health professionals in the UK anyway, that we want to increase fibre levels. levels. And of course, the Mediterranean diet um, is very rich in fibre. You've mentioned, you know, lots of vegetables, I guess the carbohydrate sources that contain more fibre, so the whole grains, because I think carbs are, are forgotten about, aren't they, a lot of the time? I I think they are. And I think sometimes with carbohydrates, I think they can very much be demonized, um, especially, you know, amongst people who might be advocates of 
of the ketogenic diet or of, you know, of low carbohydrate diets in, in general. But unless in specific uh, clinical conditions like polycystic ovaries, where having a, a lower carbohydrate intake may be beneficial, generally speaking, we, we, we tend to promote this, this moderate approach because, you know, as you say, they do have the protective fibres at, at protective factors of fiber and all the nutrients that they do that they do contain as well so Mm. they are a good food to include and again that does just ring true of a healthy balanced diet we're trying to increase um and get more people to be aware of you mentioned keto diet and lots of fads when it comes to our reproductive hormones, of course, something we see in the nutrition clinic a lot is anybody that's been on a bit of a roller coaster, you know, a yo-yo mm-hmm. diet um, spectrum. It doesn't help, does it, with with hormonal function, really, if you're looking at eating. So would you say consistency, of course, is key for a while? We, we, need, we absolutely need to be consistent. And I think if people have had times of irregularities in their in their hormone balance then you know if we make good changes to our diet it's not going to just happen overnight so we want to move more away from the extremes more towards that healthy eating mediterranean dietary pattern but also give it time to have effect and i think a lot of the time we want it yesterday don't we Mm. but we need to allow (laughs) a little bit of time with this it's so true and there's lots of um myths or I guess you can say if it's a myth um is it true that drinking whole milk increases fertility it's a really interesting point actually where this comes from there was a study it was published in uh, 2007 I think uh, by Chavaro and his colleagues and it was quite it was quite a big study um, but it looked at 18 and a half thousand women Um, And what the analyses found was that those having a higher or a a diet higher in um, high fat dairy versus low fat dairy, that high fat dairy actually seemed to be more protective in terms of fertility. And they didn't actually find in these diets any difference in terms of calcium intake or lactose intake. A a proposed mechanism for this um, was potentially the estrogen, so higher levels of estrogen being within within full fat milk. So there is this big study there. And I mean, you know, it's in 2007. So it's quite some time ago now. Um, and there haven't been larger scale studies since which have which have confirmed this. And a few smaller studies haven't necessarily agreed. But I think because of the because of the potential power um, of, you know, of those results, it is often recommended to to women in terms of fertility diet, just to include that that whole fat milk in there. Mm, it's, it's very interesting. I love all of that. I find mm, it fascinating. I think yeah. um, obviously we need more research still as with everything, but yes. very, very interesting. So a lot of people, of course, will then be going, well, what should I not eat? Because I think that's a standard um, response as well for, for, for many people. Is there anything on the list apart from the obvious, well, don't do drugs and drink excessively sort of thing? <laughs> <laughs> well, again, the this sort of advice comes from similar observational studies, um, but trying to reduce saturated fat intake, as we said before. So in terms of saturated fat intake, uh, we tend to find this in animal products, so, so meat and also dairy as well, um, and, and trans fats that we tend to find in perhaps more, more processed foods. Also, again, and it's not saying that we want to avoid these, it's more just thinking about reducing and finding that balance. 
Um, but other things as well in terms of refined carbohydrates. So when we think about our white carbs or our more processed carbs and also sugars as well. So we want to, again, you know, it's in line with healthy eating advice. We do want to try to keep these for, for a minimum and make better choices when it comes to the carbohydrates that we choose. Um, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, no, gonna... <laughs> I was thinking when you mentioned sugar, because we, we just recorded, actually, there's an episode on the Food for Thought series on sugar, because it's so confusing for people. But as dietitians and nutritionists, we can often discuss sugar knowing that it's found in carbohydrates. It's not just we're not talking about just the white um, sugar that you'll see um, sucrose, you know, on, that you'll add to your food or your desserts. We're talking about sugars in lots of different things as well. Mm-hmm. But of course, we're not demonizing it. It is everything in moderation. But is there really a big link between between actual refined sugar, would you say? I would say if it has a if it if it has a, a, a big proportion in the diet and probably a, above healthy eating recommendations, then then yes, it could do. Because the links as well, if you have a high sugar diet, then this can feed into a degree of insulin resistance. And it can also raise blood glucose levels as well. So in particular, those who have diabetes. And these factors can affect reproductive function and also reproductive hormones as well. And especially if we're looking at people who have polycystic ovarian syndrome, for example, it can it can enhance this insulin resistance. And we know that within that patient group, fertility can be an issue. And it's just really to do with that, that hormone imbalance. And that can be, you know, that the foods that we do play a big mm. part in the regulation of that. Of course. And there's a lot of talk at the moment, at the time we're recording this with the new, um, this is changing subject again a little bit, but on a similar uh, line of thought with the obesity strategy in the UK. Mm. And it's a very difficult, emotive, complicated conversation to have. And it's important to have it with kindness. Um, but weight, and I remember when I did my pre and postnatal qualification, that weight did come up as a big factor um, with fertility. Well, what are your, your thoughts on ovulation and being overweight or underweight? So I practice by evidence-based medicine and actually in terms of fertility there is such little guidance there's research but it hasn't really been pulled into say full nutrition guidelines like there are in a lot of other Mm. you know clinical conditions um but the nice guidelines which are you know one of the one of the main clinical guidelines in the uk they do have guidelines for fertility and their recommendation is to try to keep your bmi between 19 and 30 for optimal fertility And one of the key reasons for this is we can see uh, an ovulation or a lack of ovulation at a BMI lower than 19 and also above 30 as well. And the advice is that, you know, if you have a low weight or a high weight, trying to get your weight within to that range, it, it can help to promote ovulation, which is obviously a key factor when it comes to fertility and, and conception. There is, evidence as well that independent of ovulation if you do have a high BMI so above 30 it can increase the time to pregnancy there's different theories that exist one of which being inflammation um, but I think for, for for general for general advice um, you know if I have somebody come to me in my fertility clinic we, we do look at weight but as you say we do it in a very very gentle way 
And what I do say to my clients as well is that the research does suggest that the nutrient profile within your diet, if we take ovulation aside, is more important than what your BMI is. So the main focus really is is on nutrition, but we can help people to get to their optimal weight. But just by making gentle modifications that isn't going to damage that that client in in any way and you know we we spoke about um you know not not avoiding things completely i very much like the the 80 20 concept of allowing yourself some of the things that you enjoy and that may not be you know in inverted commas the healthiest on paper Um, but i think it just it just makes things easier, doesn't it? And still within a well-balanced mm. diet, we can still have some of those things. We can still have some of those saturated fats and sugars and, and other things like that. So it's it's just trying to normalize it really and, and giving people advice that's going to be sustainable and, and achievable for them. Thank you for delving into that because it's just reassuring to have evidence-based advice and to know, re- you know, realistically, what needs to be done and I also mm-hmm. am a bit of a fan of that 80-20 approach it's, it's easier to approach I think when it when it comes yeah. to life and you've mentioned of course we've mentioned weight being a factor perhaps polycystic ovarian syndrome what about medication is, is there anything out there that um, the doctor should um, perhaps be aware of when you're trying to conceive to reduce yeah, well, well, one that you briefly mentioned before, obviously, in terms of recreational drugs, in terms of fertility, it is a bit of a no-no. Um, but other things as well, other, other medications that may not be as obvious, there can be a link between things like ibuprofen or aspirin. Um, mm. But then then other things like, uh, you know, chemotherapy and an antipsychotic medication. So medications used for people with with mental health conditions. But in terms of, you know, these these prescribable medications, it's really, really important not to just stop that off the back of what I've said. If, if you if you are worried about that and you're struggling to conceive then the most important thing to do is go and speak to your doctor. Go and speak mm. to your GP and they will be able to review this at it, looking at things holistically. Yeah, very, very important to seek um, professional advice before doing anything at all or making any changes to your medication or your diet. Mm. And talking about changes, so let's say somebody's listening to this and thinking, well, when should I start? You know, if I'm thinking of getting pregnant um, now or in a year's time, what's the optimal time to uh, make a change to your diet? Yes. So unfortunately, if we start consuming our five a day and then adopt the Mediterranean diet, we're not going to see the effects next week. So we do need to think of this as a bit of an investment. So this, you know, your diet, your lifestyle, it's an investment into your body, your fertility, and also, you know, your your journey through through pregnancy and beyond. So in I suppose a good way to look at it is in terms of women's eggs so when we take it from maturation of the egg to ovulation this can take 90 to 100 days so one of the key focuses in fertility is promoting egg quality so we've got that whole time span 90 to 100 days where we want to be feeding in these nutrients so that your so that your egg quality can be as optimal as possible and similarly, in terms of sperm, so for, for sperm to mature, it can take two and a half to three months. 
So we want to be consistently feeding in optimal nutrition. Um, and I think I think really this is it's more important for those who are struggling to conceive. Um, but it's just, you know, it, it's really, really important, I suppose, just to just to understand that time frame. Um, mm. But having having said that, if if women aren't ovulating or, you know, that they're not having their periods, then it can take longer. As we said before, it's about establishing that that correct hormonal balance. And, and sometimes it, it can take several cycles for things to get back to, to how we want them. Yeah, it, it's it's tough because I think on average, is it is it one in seven couples have difficulty conceiving now? Is, is that the correct yes. stat off the top of my head? Yeah, yes. it's one in seven and it can take the NHS, I think I remember, because when I was looking at um, conceiving, it can take up to two years for couples mm-hmm. um, to get pregnant. It's a long game and let's not just yeah, for, think about the woman's diet. It's your husband or your partner or whoever you're with. It's their diet too. Um, you need support. You need someone that's going to support your lifestyle change at home. It's difficult. So hopefully you've got somebody with you that can encourage you or, you know, do a, a cook a meal for you once or twice every now and again would be nice. So it's not all <laughs> on you. Um, there's so many factors, I think, um, to create healthy habits and quite refreshing one though about conception I don't know if you agree with me Ro is that it's just nice to focus on nourishing your body and looking at your body as this incredible vessel that is actually capable potentially of doing this amazing thing and it deserves so much respect doesn't it absolutely and I think that's a I think that's a really nice way to look at it I know it can be a challenging way to look at it when people have been trying to conceive for for some time and thinking, oh, God, I need to get this in and this in and this in. But if we actually spin it to the, you know, to the to the perspective that, that you shared there, I think it's a really positive way to look at it. No, exactly. Because it's it's not just maternal nutrition that affects the chances of becoming pregnant, is it? Like, let's talk about the sperm quality for a little bit as well, just as we mentioned mm. before. What can, just for anyone that wants to tell the rebel half, um, what out there can reduce sperm quality? What should a guy not be doing? So what's really great now is I do feel that there's a a decent evidence base on this, which is, you know, exactly what we want. So we're able to give, you know, informed advice. But similarly to to women, um, BMI can be a factor for men too. So for those with a raised BMI, so again, if we're looking perhaps over over 30, that has been associated with decreased sperm motility. So it's movement. But evidence suggests that weight loss can improve sperm motility, but also the overall sperm quality as well. So similarly to women, in terms of men, we would we would try and encourage them to try and get you know closer to that to that healthy weight range because it can have it can have really, really positive effects. Um, But similarly to women as well, that Mediterranean diet is really protective. Mm. So which helps because I mean, let's face it, you don't want to have to cook two meals at home, do you? (laughs) So when you're when you can both eat the same thing, I think, you know, we're all winning. But um, where there's been quite a lot of research with men as well is looking at antioxidants, and the effect on sperm quality. So a, a, a few in particular, have had quite a bit of attention. So vitamin C that you find quite abundantly in fruit and vegetables, vitamin E that you can get in things like your nuts and your seeds and your olive oil, and then also uh, selenium and zinc. So 
So all, all of those there, they're, they're all antioxidants and research suggests that they can, they can all have a protective effect on, on overall sperm health. Mm. And it's so interesting because you can change because of the cycle and the length of the cycles, because obviously women are born with, with, with eggs, aren't they, mm-hmm. essentially? But yeah. because men have this turnover of sperm, it's very, very possible for them to enhance the quality and the motility. Isn't it about the motility, how fast they can swim as well? There's quite a few different factors. <laughs> but yeah, so there's so there's motility, which is movement. And then there's morphology, which is shape. So when you think about, you know, when everybody thinks about a cartoon sperm and what it looks like, that's kind of what we want it to look like. <laughs> um, and then volume. And then the concentration as well. And then finally, and I feel that this one's really, really important, the DNA within the sperm. Mm. So when we're talking about the antioxidants as well, that can be really, really protective of the, of the DNA. Oh, it's so interesting. It, yes. all, all of this, because I was not aware until I started my own um, journey, I suppose, having a baby, getting pregnant um, and having so many friends. I've got friends that are doing it themselves with sperm donors and it was so interesting hearing their journey on how they picked the sperm, the donor mm. sperm. It's just, um, I know it's a whole other topic again, but it's so interesting. But an interesting, I'll jump in that on it, an yeah. interesting point on that. And when I heard this for the first time, it kind of blew my mind um, that both the, the, the diet of the mother and the diet of the father, so the maternal and paternal diets, they, will, they can influence your children's genetics. So Makes that, sense. that, yeah, and that will, you know, that will shape the, you know, the, the behaviors, the characteristics of your wow. child, which I just, I just feel that it's so powerful. And I think that people underestimate the power of diet. I good want nutrition to and lifestyle from the rooftops row. That is unbelievable. <laughs> I love that because it, once again, we're not focusing on fat. Everybody focuses on body image with nutrition. It's mm. it's just this terrible association with being a nutritionist or a dietitian, um, and weight. Whereas, look at the fertility world. That's in, that's incredible. That's mm. really blown my mind. Um, <laughs> it's, it's thank goodness it's before you get pregnant because when you get pregnant, diet goes out the window for initially <laughs> for a lot of us. You know, I I was a beige diet girl for literally the whole pregnancy. Um, so, are there any sorts of diets that reduce the likelihood? So, things that you particularly would say, please don't, kind of thing. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? 
Alright, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The general advice anyway is to just not do any kind of diet. We would advise against strict dieting. Um, you know, when we talk about a dietary pattern, such as a Mediterranean diet, it's more about the, the food choices that you make. And I think that, you know, say if, if weight loss, if that if that is your, your goal, your intention, your outcome, then you can think about, okay, well, maybe I can have a little bit more of that and a little bit less of that. And you know what? Sometimes it can be that simple, but we wouldn't really advise putting somebody on Whereas it may work in a standalone weight management clinic, we wouldn't put somebody who is trying to conceive really on a 1200 calorie diet. It's just, mm. it, you know, it's, we just we just wouldn't do it. And also, you know, dieting and the fertility outcomes and, and dieting, they, they're, they're not great. So we just wouldn't advise it. But most most other diets as such um, and, you know, talking about the keto diet, as we did before, they tend to cut out a food group. And that is exactly what we don't want, because a balanced diet is a is named a balanced diet for a reason. And if we eat it in those proportions, then it's going to give us all the nutrients that we require, which is so, so important when it comes to fertility and when it comes to maternal nutrition as well. So I, I wouldn't really advise that anybody cuts out any food groups or goes in any fatty diets um, in terms of keto. So keto is very low carbohydrate and high fat to be honest i i wouldn't really recommend that in mm. um in infertility and certainly you know and certainly not in pregnancy but as we touched on before in terms of polycystic ovary syndrome i wouldn't necessarily advocate a high carbohydrate diet and our public health guidance advocate a high carbohydrate diet so i tend to go more for a moderate approach um, some people can go low if they want, but it's at the higher end of low. You know, it's 130 mm. grams, 100 grams of carbs per day. But it would only be in specific people for specific clinical reasons. Um, but no, generally, we, we we want that that wholesome approach. But, yeah. but one thing to probably bear in mind is some people are plant based. Yeah. So if you're plant based, it's a plant based diet. So so it, it is a it is a it is a diet, but people do that for different reasons. Um, and that I'm you know I'm completely on board with. However, there are certain nutrients that you will need to pay attention to. For example, iron, omega three, vitamin B twelve, maybe nutrients like selenium as well. So it's not to say that having a plant based diet will affect your fertility in fact we know that it could be protective in in many ways but we may need to think about supplementation in some cases yeah, let's discuss supplements row because i think it's um it's very confusing we we know folic acid is something that i think most people are aware of now that they need that the 400 that they're very aware yeah. of it but what in general should people be looking for and we know of course a plant-based diet there may be a, a bigger need for certain things Yes. And I think it's an interesting point that you touch on uh, in terms of folic acid, because I agree that there has been this huge awareness campaign around folic acid. 
Everybody knows that you should take it. Everybody knows that it reduces your risk of neural tube defects. And actually, in terms of deficiencies in pregnant women, yes, that there is a level of deficiency still, but it's much lower than certain nutrients like uh, vitamin D or iron Mm. or iodine. So I feel that actually what we need now is campaigns on these other nutrients. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, in terms of folic acid, so yes, you're right. So we think about vitamin B9. So there's kind of two different forms. You've got the form that you find in food, which is folate. And then you've got the synthetic form, which is folic acid. So what's advised in terms of fertility and just general preconception nutrition is to have a diet rich in folate, So you will find this in foods like um, spinach and peas and chickpeas and fortified breakfast cereals, avocados, that kind of thing. But then to also alongside take a 400 microgram supplement. And that's for the general population. But for some people, for example, if they have diabetes or a high BMI, uh, a history of neural tube defects. There's lots of different reasons, but they are generally prescribed five milligrams, and that would be that would be done by your your doctor. Um, other supplements, so vitamin D, but the the advice for preconception nutrition versus public health nutrition on vitamin D is the same. So it's just about taking that ten microgram supplement during the winter months, or if during the summer, you do not have appropriate or or sufficient exposure to sunlight, then you know, you can take it then as well. Um, But there aren't actually, research isn't conclusive in saying that vitamin D can help to promote fertility. It's obviously important in terms of just a diet in general, but it doesn't necessarily improve fertility. However, that's for women, It, it there's research to suggest it could improve sperm quality um supplements uh so also what about a preconception multivitamin you read my mind (laughs) you read my mind um so in terms of these so in terms of our nutrition we want to try and get the majority of our nutrients from our our diet with the addition of you know folic acid and and vitamin d but for, for people who are struggling to conceive I would actually recommend a prenatal supplement. And that is just because of some studies in in the literature that do suggest that taking a supplement can improve outcomes. But I wouldn't necessarily advise that across the board unless people were necessarily struggling, struggling with that. And if their if their diet was if their diet was sufficient. But one thing to look out for with that is. Uh, if you're taking a folic acid supplement and then you take a prenatal and you've got vitamin D as well, it, it's more than likely that there would be folic acid and vitamin D in the prenatal supplement. So you don't have to you don't have to take all three. So, you know, if, if, if you're unsure about what's in the prenatal and, and what, what you should take, maybe go and see your GP or, a, you know, a fertility dietitian who, who can who can help you with that. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Always check. Please don't just take something if you're not sure. Mm. I think it's actually more risky to do that than to not take anything because sometimes you can get toxicity of certain vitamins and minerals. And it's just so important to be particularly fat soluble that, you, that you're you're aware mm-hmm. of these things. So um, 
Yes, excellently answered there about supplements. So we've got lots of questions um, for you, Ro, from our listeners today. Okay. Um, Eloise has said, I've always had bad digestion. Is poor gut health linked to not getting pregnant? So the, there is research that's starting to grow in this area. However, I wouldn't necessarily say that it's conclusive at the moment. Um, but I mean, the advice would still remain the same. You know, we want to concentrate on having, um, you know, a, a healthy fiber intake and that will contribute to a healthy gut microbiome. And, you know, the hypotheses are that a healthy gut microbiome may help in terms of, say, hormone regulation um, and then fertility outcomes. But there isn't the evidence to suggest that that's conclusive at the moment. However, it doesn't mean to say that we should we, that we shouldn't do it. Because it's not just about, you know, we're not just eating just for fertility. We're eating for us and our health as well. Yes. No, well answered. Very well answered. I think this, it's very unknown as well, gut health. There's so much more research that needs to be done on everything. But there's definitely a... Um, Probably, yeah, an impact, I would say, with digestion in most things in life now. Um, mm. <laughs> most things tend to come from the gut. Um, Kat has said, do I need to stop drinking 100% to get pregnant? So I take it she means drinking alcohol. I presume um, she does. I, I hope she does, because otherwise <laughs> drinking in general would be quite worrying. <laughs> so, I mean, the general preconception advice um, is if, if you're trying to if you're trying to conceive then the general advice is to stop drinking um, mm -hmm. but it it that's more for the sake of the of the baby so if you were to fall pregnant and then you were drinking in terms of fertility the research suggests that actually a moderate intake is unlikely to to affect your chances so I mean yeah, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be too strict on yourself. Um, obviously, stay within stay within the, the general guidelines. But I think something that comes into this as well is is stress. So I've had this conversation with with clients before, and I'm not saying that it's probably related to, to, to this lady. But um, some people say that having um, an odd drink, um, say, you know, once or twice a week, it, it can help them um, in terms of actually, you know, their, their mental health and they just enjoy having it. Um, so for them, you know, to have a couple of drinks a week, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm not going to tell you to not do that. And I think mm. without doing a thorough assessment, I think it's, it's, very, it's very much based on the individual. Yeah, no, I agree. In individual differences, but of course... If you really, you know, you really want to go for it, of course, everything you can possibly do to up your chances probably is a good idea. Yes. Um, Kelly, and this is the last question we've got that we picked out, and I thought this was really appropriate because there's so many misconceptions on this food um, food group. Is it true we shouldn't eat soy? No veggie sausages for me, she said, <laughs> to get oh, pregnant. I know. Yeah, okay, so this one does actually come up quite frequently. So... Soy contains phytoestrogens and phytoestrogens are their estrogen-like compounds and they can behave similarly uh, to, to what estrogen might. They work, they work in different ways. So it is a bit of a controversial topic, but actually 
In terms of observational studies, as we mentioned before about plant-based protein over animal protein and plant-based protein, including soy, was actually more protective. So I think the issue comes when soy is eaten in excessive amounts. And this can happen with with men as well. So there's been some studies with um, poorer sperm quality with men consuming two soy meals per day. But I mean, we wouldn't be advocating that. The general advice really, you know, if you're to have, um, you know, a couple, two, three serves of soy per week, then that's that's absolutely fine. And research has shown that uh, soy can actually Im- improve our outcomes in IVF. So mm. it's it's not quite as bad as what people think. But I think, you know, as with most things in the diet, moderation here is key and not mm. going overboard. Um, but it is, you know, that is an important consideration for, for, for vegans or people who are plant-based because obviously soy can make up quite a big part of their protein intake. So it's thinking about where can you get alternative plant-based protein from and things like uh, seitan, for example, and, and, and microprotein, so, so things like corn mm. um, and, and, and legumes. Beans and pulses, really. Exactly, yeah, your legumes and, and even things like quinoa that's a, that's mm. a higher protein grain, uh, you know, along with your nuts and seeds. So, so there are other ways that you could do it. So, yes, uh, in short, moderation is key. Oh, a hundred percent. I remember in my, I think it was my second year of university, so a long time ago now, which is, gosh, time is going too fast, Ro, but I was fascinated in soy because I'd always read it was so bad for you, you know, and I did a whole assignment on it. And I remember being disappointed because I actually found it wasn't so bad for me at all when I was doing it. (laughs) And I remember thinking, oh, actually quite interesting this but um we i digress we move on to our fact or fiction round are you ready oh okay i'm ready so if you could answer fact or fiction to the following this is of course related to eating for fertility so here we go you can't eat raw fish so in oh am i not am i not allowed to give an answer dramatic pause no you have to say fact or fiction i was a dramatic pause oh god go for it go for it is that a fact or a fiction fiction brilliant um the fertile window sorry that's the best first response we've had to a fact or fiction round ever that was the best response what my big gasp yes (laughs) because i always like to give an explanation (laughs) i know they did you can give a mini one if you want. You can give a mini one. We'll, we'll go on and do mini explanations. Um, the fertile window for getting pregnant only lasts four days. True. You ish. Only, true-ish. I'm, okay. I'm not good at this game, am I? <laughs> no, no health professional is. That's the whole point. <laughs> you will only conceive if you are within a healthy BMI range. I've forgotten what the words are. Fiction. <laughs> False fiction. <laughs> <laughs> Men stay fertile. I've got the giggles. Men stay fertile forever. Fiction. What what age out of interest, just for me to interrupt, do they lose their fertility, men? Oh, let me picture my graph. Um I again, again, this is individual because you, you know, we'll see we'll see 70-year-old dads on the news, won't we, every now and again. Mm-hmm. Um, but generally speaking, um, perhaps around about 50. Wow, interesting. 
Um, dark leafy greens increase fertility. Fact. Caffeine is harmful to a baby. Fact. Organic produce is safer to conceive. Hmm. Hmm. If I'm... Oh. <laughs> Um, Go for it. Oh. Just explain your explain your um, train of thought. <laughs> because for the generally, I would say it doesn't matter. Uh, we can eat organic or inorganic. But some people, when it comes to fertility, they pay particular attention to chemicals um, in terms of chemicals that might be endocrine disruptors. So I would say for those who were really really struggling in terms of infertility. It could be something that they consider, but generally, for the most part, you know, any anything goes. There we go. Too much sugar negatively affects fertility. Fact. Plant-based diets will help fertility more than meat-based diets. Again, I think we've discussed the reasons why. Mm. In some parts, yes. In some parts, no. Love it. Right. That was our fact or fiction round. Um, that does nearly wrap up the episode, though, which is very sad but we do always finish um with a food for thought for everybody and today I would start by just saying that it's important when you want to start a family that you you work as a team or if you're doing it by yourself you do what you can to optimize your chances but have realistic goals because I think a lot of people and we mentioned the word pressure at the beginning and and we've talked about stress and people put so much on themselves and it's easier said than done and very easy for me to sit here with a baby now and say oh you know just relax I know it's not that simple but what we can say as health professionals working in the world of of food is that if you do at least get that part of your little pie chart sorted the food and maintain that healthy balanced Mediterranean diet at least that's going to have a significant impact on helping we know that diet, like Rose said, which blew my mind, can now influence your 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 baby's was it your pre- baby's preferences, Rose? Or yeah, um, will influence their genetics. So yeah, yeah behaviors, characteristics. It's incredible. It can have a profound impact. So diet not only if, if impacts your fertility, it affects all of those things, and of course, of course, your quality of life, your mental and physical health. So if you could leave our listeners with a food for thought today, Rose, what would that be? Yeah, and I think mine is is very similar to yours, really. I think promoting fertility, though, and managing infertility are, are, two, are two different things, even though they, they come under the same umbrella and the, the advice is very similar, whereas promoting fertility could be really positive and really exciting, whereas managing infertility can be, can be really stressful and, and, and really emotional. But there is support in place for, for you know, people in, in in either of those situations um but I think I think my advice for people is that if they're if they're thinking about the fact you know if, if they're thinking about having a baby um, and I think especially if you're older as well start thinking about your diet and your lifestyle now because it it will make things easier going going forward um and remembering the role of the male as well and and then you know just remembering that the, there is so much that we can do. There's so much that we can influence in terms of um, our diet quality, our lifestyle, even supplements. And, you know, if you've got health condition as well, there's medical management that can support. So, you know, especially for those who are trying to conceive and have had difficulties, don't give up. There's, there's so much you can do and there's, there's so much support 
out there. And yeah, I, I, I hope that that was useful and, and helpful for people. That was absolutely wonderful. Ro, where can everybody find out more about you and the work that you do? Well, I would say in terms of social platforms, I am most active on Instagram. So I have my main Instagram account, which is at Dietitian Row. And I also, as of the beginning of this year, I've got a fertility nutrition account. So that's at fertility.dietitian.uk. Wonderful. Ro, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you very much for having me. If you enjoyed this episode, you'll absolutely love the others in this mini-series, so click subscribe and have them all downloaded in one go. If you have time to, please do leave a review so that we can reach higher highs in the charts and the ultimate aim is to hopefully help more and more people. For more information about me or my clinic nutrition, books, healthy recipes and so much more, please visit Retrition.com and follow me at Retrition on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook and YouTube. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs>